Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Krista Gorman is a physician's assistant who, only three weeks after graduating from her training program, suffered a cardiopulmonary arrest and died while in labor with her daughter. Some of her story and the lessons she learned in the afterlife are shared in her book, I Died and Learned How to Live, available on Amazon. Her near-death experience is also featured in the book, The Transformative Effects of Near-Death Experiences by Dr. Penny Sartori and Kelly Walsh, as well as the book, Awakened by Death by Karen Swain and Cyrus Kirkpatrick. In 2017, she and her daughter were featured on the program, Story of God, with Morgan Freeman on the National Geographic Channel in the episode called, Heaven and Hell. Krista is an active member of the International Association for Near-Death Studies and has presented at several of their conferences alongside her husband, Ainsley Threadgold. This is my conversation with Krista, where she shares the details of her NDE, how her NDE inspired the 12 principles she lives by, and how love is always the answer. Hi, Krista. It's so nice to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a pleasure. I had my own experiences with non-local phenomena several years back from uh, training in energetic medicine. So when that started, I started to research and look at interviews and just, uh, you know, to learn about consciousness um, and the afterlife. And I learned actually a lot from near-death experiencers. And then one of them happened to be yourself. So when I saw your interview, the first thing that struck me was because, you know, I was always the skeptic, always careful, don't want to believe everything I see, hear, and read. Um, and I remember thinking, well, now here's here's this intelligent person, very down to earth, telling a miraculous story of a near-death experience. It was really nice to see you speak about your story because the impression I got was you're down to earth. It felt very genuine and Wow, it was so impactful. I mean, the lessons that you brought back from the afterlife. Mm. So that's how I found you. Um, so I would just love to start talking about your experience and how your near-death experience all uh, came together and, and happened for you. Okay. Wow. So this was literally um, Saturday. It'll be 21 years ago. Wow. And oh um, during labor with my daughter, she'll be 21 um, wow. this weekend. Yeah. It's, oh, very yeah. nice. <laughs> it's, yeah. Thank you. I'm like so excited. Um, but I was in labor with my daughter and uh, she had has an issue with her kidney and they suggested inducing her a week early. So they started an induction of labor and that includes giving Pitocin, which is a drug that um, starts uh, the in gets the uterus to start contracting and it's it's abnormal you know it's not the natural progression of of naturally induced labor um so the contractions are quite strong and powerful and painful um as you know time goes on so i was on this drug overnight and then by the morning time the contractions were getting pretty pretty uncomfortable and um i i felt like i could probably use an epidural. So I mentioned it to the nurse and she in turn um, contacted the anesthesiologist who came in and actually gave me the epidural. Um, and about half an hour later, uh, my daughter's heart rate, when I had a contraction, like at this point now I couldn't feel them. 
But when I had a contraction, and I know as, as a PA, I was trained and I did a rotation in OBGYN and I was watching the, the tracing of the contraction on the monitor and her heart rate dropped dangerously low. And I knew that uh, she needed, it. that's an indication right away for a C-section. It indicates that's fetal your distress. physician's assistant. Is that PA? I'm a physician assistant, yeah. PA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so right away, the, uh, my nurse midwife came in and said, guess what? And I said, I know. <laughs> yeah, we need to do a C-section. Um, <clears throat> so she was putting an internal monitor on Maggie's scalp. And I've done one myself as a student. It's literally screwing a, a corkscrew, metal corkscrew into the baby's scalp. And they say the babies can't feel it. Well, the, uh, in retrospect, after reading more about it and learning more about it years later, um, they can feel it. And I believe what happened was she had a reflex and she kicked so hard that she, she kicked amniotic fluid into my bloodstream. And uh, my body saw it as foreign and started to surround it with cells that it does um, when it sees foreign material. And that created clots. And this is all very rapid progression. We're talking like, like less than a second after this happened. Um, I was having trouble breathing because my blood was traveling back to my lungs and the clots were, were blocking the, the periphery of the lung vasculature and I couldn't perfuse the air I was trying to breathe, breathe in. And that set my heart into an arrhythmia and I quickly decompensated into a cardiorespiratory arrest. So within, I mean, this is so super fast. These nurses were amazing. I had oxygen slapped on me. I, they pull you onto your left side because that's the best uh, place to be when you're pregnant for the heart to contract and get the most out of that contraction to push blood to the baby. Um, and they were wheeling me out of the room. And this is within three seconds, if that, um, of the onset of this trouble breathing. And um, as I was being wheeled into the hallway, I literally was, it was like trying to grasp air, gasp air through a tiny, teeny little straw. And it was the, I was trying like the last bit of it I could get. And, um, and then I started to, to, everything started to go dark. And as that happened, I felt this peace, like this serenity envelop me. And it sort of came from behind almost and like came down and I was out. Um, and then my next moment of awareness was of my being able to see, um, I was far above the body, which was me. I didn't know it at the time, um, below. And I was watching as these black particles came racing up from, um, from the body. And it was mainly concentrated in the, the chest area. The, the, the density of the particles were, were denser at the chest area. A little less dense up here and even less dense in like the abdomen area. But I watched as they came up and they surrounded where my vision was. And I was this sort of detached observer and I was, I was my pure consciousness. I was Krista as the purest form I could be. Um, there weren't any, I didn't have any other senses about me in terms of being able to smell, you know, hear anything. Um, I had, I had like an intuition. I had feeling, um, I felt, uh, curious. I felt curiosity. I felt like amazement, um, wonder. Um, and I sort of like my vision sort of looked around. I looked back down and I saw 
uh, one of the physicians that responded to the code blue that they had called. Uh, he responded and I saw him come and stand in the doorway for a second. And then he stepped up to, to the bed where I was and where my doctor was. And another doctor was at my left shoulder. And there was another who I later found out was a nurse anesthetist um, at my right shoulder. And I saw my OB hand my daughter to the nurse anesthetist and saw her turn around with her. And I was watching this and I was becoming more curious about it. It's like, oh, this is so interesting. What is this? And I wanted to see, like, the, the nurse anesthetist turned around with Maggie. And I was like, wait, wait, I, I want to see. And I floated to the other side of the room. And I became, I just felt more curious. More, and then it, it started to feel like, oh, I know what this is. It's like the tip of the tongue phenomena. It's like, I know what this is. What is this? And then I felt something tug to my left. And I was like, no, I, I, I want to know what this is. And it pulled harder and, or tugged harder. And I was like, okay, I'll go. I knew it wanted me to go. That's the intuitive sense that I had. Um, and then I started moving very, very, very quickly through the room, through the, the wall, which was like sort of like a liquidy beige color. And then into this bright white space. It was like a flash of, of the brightest, whitest light I've, I've ever seen. And then I merged into the same particles I was. Um, it, but denser, more condensed. And it was like a darker space because of that. And I sort of just merged into it and I was racing imperceptibly fast and feeling just the same like wonder, um, interest that I was feeling when I was watching my body below. And, and at the time I was watching my body, I didn't have any reference for any, any objects that I was viewing. I didn't remember my life. I didn't remember being a human being. I didn't have words for anything. It was all just feeling. Um, and again, I could see. Um, and then in that space where I was within the, the denser, darker particulate matter, all of a sudden I stopped in the midst of it and I had a download and it was like a, a good, and then to one point and that, and love, and it was like all the questions I'd ever had in my entire life were all answered and in every answer. Eventually, if you had an algorithm, everything went back to love. And I then I felt like permeated. I was I was the love. I was that bliss, that love. And it was expansive. It went infinitely outward. And it was also so right where I was. Um, and it was it was the words fall short. You'll hear other people who experience these types of things. To say words don't you you can't find the words to explain it accurately it has to be experienced um and so that's you know i felt this this all-encompassing love and bliss and then i noted off to my right in the distance there was a little white light and i felt compelled to go to it and it, and it was like it wanted me to come to it as well it was not calling me but i felt this this um mm, pull from it, like a, um, a, an energy pull. It's a, that's how I can describe it. And as I got closer, it got wider, bigger. And in the opening, there were these gray um, sort of humanoid figures, shadow beings, I call them, because um, they were humanoid. Um, although I didn't recognize them as that, I didn't know what a human was. So I, 
I can only say this in retrospect. At the time, they were just they were just there. They were just something. I didn't know what. And the in the front was a little boy, and the little boy needed my help, and I wanted to help him. And I didn't know what it was for. I didn't know it, it wasn't a sense of urgency or sadness or fear. None of that. It was all very neutral, calm, serene, uh, pleasant. Um, and I went into the space and the, the being sort of like fanned out off to the side. Um, and we're in like the background. And then all of a sudden I was in, in the, in the room, deep in the room. And I was looking, I looked around for the little boy and I didn't see him and I didn't sense that he was there, but I sensed the other beings and they all wanted my help. And I felt back to them. Yes. Like, I want to help you. I didn't know what kind of help they weren't specific in saying, <laughs> and it was just a, a general feeling. So they started to come at me, sort of dart at me and dart away very, very quickly in all directions. And they, they were taking my energy. They wanted my energy. And I felt myself starting to diminish in there, like to be depleted. And I felt, I don't want to be here anymore. But it wasn't panic. It wasn't fear. Um, it was just a, just a choice, like saying, mm, I think I'll go to the store. Uh, so once I felt that, I was pulled out of there and back in the, in the dense, dark particles. And then very quickly, that opened up into this Eden-like space. And, and it was just the, the most gorgeous landscape, natural landscape. Um, and I just merged with everything. There was yellow flowers and a, and a water, uh, waterfall, um, dense evergreen forest, and then green rolling hills with trees and a blue sky. And, and it was all, it was just, it was perfect and it was eternal and it was me and I was it. And, and I could have existed there eternally and been blissed out, you know? And, um, and then I was flanked on, on both sides by two, two beings. And I call them my spirit guides, they, we would call them, I would say angels, but they were beige in color, very tall and thin and drapes. They had like drapey, I don't know, kind of clothing, I guess we would say it is. No, I couldn't see their face. I felt them though. And they, they were there to, they were there to love me unconditionally to support me. Um, they thought I was, I was perfect, you know, that's how I, how I felt from them, that um, everything was well. Um, they communicated and everything was through feeling. Um, you could stay here. You could, you could go to what comes next. I didn't know what that was. Or you could go back. And I didn't know what back going back was. I didn't know I had been a human and had a life. And I didn't know I was Krista in this body. I was still Krista in my consciousness. Um, and I chose to come back. And I didn't know why I was making that choice. And I started to move backwards as soon as I felt that. And they sort of turned. And as I was moving, they communicated, if you go back, you need to share what you learned here. And I felt back, okay. And then the next thing I knew, um, my next memory recall was of pain in my chest. And, um, and then it was someone had put earphones on my ears 
and was playing the song that my ex-husband and I were had gotten married to, um, had danced to, our first dance, was playing that song. And I was singing the words. And later they told me that's when we knew that you were still in there because we weren't sure what you were going to be like if you woke up. <laughs> so as it turned out, I had coded for eight minutes. Um, they had started compression, stopped compressions for two minutes while they delivered my daughter. I was bleeding um, uncontrollably from what happens after an amniotic fluid embolism, which is what I had, is a person can go into what's called disseminated intravascular coagulation, which is um, uncontrolled bleeding. You can't clot your own blood. You lose that ability. Um, so they had to stop compression so that they, I didn't bleed out while they were delivering my daughter. They were trying to save us both. And then they restarted uh, compressions, got my, my um, pulse back, and put me in the ICU, intubated um, and sedated. They had me in a medically induced coma for two days, or almost two days, 36 hours, um, at which time they, they were going to try to wean me off of that medicine and see if I was there. And I started to sing this song, and um, they knew I was there. And so they kept me off of the morphine and, um, and let me come, come around. And I, um, I very, I improved very quickly. They were my, the OB that, um, delivered my daughter. Um, I've corresponded several times with him over the years. And he said, um, in our last correspondence, just a few years ago, he said, uh, that that day changed him forever that some, uh, that two miracles happened that day that my daughter lived and I lived and that it changed, it changed him forever. And it, it was just really, really profound, really profound in that. And I appreciate that more and more as the years go by, um, that it didn't, it wasn't just my experience, um, that it was the experience of every single person that observed it happen and that it affected them, you know, very deeply too. So um, it was overall, it was uh, one of the best things to happen to me. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and that's uh, profound to say, because that's a lot of trauma to endure, mm -hmm. right? Can I say it's a bittersweet situation, because it's obviously traumatic, but then, like you just said, it's the best thing that happened to you because of that experience, that profound, higher expansive experience. Yeah, you know, there was a there was a time where I would say it was bittersweet. Um I don't have a sense of the bitter anymore. There was, you know, I I've had moments certainly where I have been sad um about not getting to hold my daughter, you know, after she was born. I met her for the first time 6 days later. Um but I felt like I knew her. And like we had, we knew each other and it was almost like a joke <laughs> that, that everyone was making this big fuss about the first time of me holding her. Cause it, it felt, it felt so, um, like this has already happened. You know, like we've already been here. We already know each other. And, um, yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, there, I see it as, um, really as something that, there is, and I've, I told those physicians this too. I said, there's not one thing I would have changed about what happened that day. 
yes, could it have been done differently? Could things have been done differently? Certainly, but I wouldn't have changed one thing. On a sort of practical level, did your physicians or an, anybody who was attending um, and, and to support you and your daughter, did they, I can see that they can see it was a, a medical miracle, but did any of them understand and or believe in the near-death experience? That's a really good question. Um, the, the physician that I have talked to a few times, um, I shared with him that I had an experience and um, he acknowledged it um, and said, um, I certainly don't doubt these experiences um, that his own mother had passed recently. And, um, and you know, it, it, it helped answer some questions for him about what happens when we die. Um, Maggie and I were also on Morgan Freeman's show, Story of God, uh, and he watched that, that um, interview. And he, yeah, he was moved by it. And um, I had, I've had colleagues, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not, I'm not, um, I didn't share my experience with some physicians that I worked very closely with on a daily basis for many years. Um, I finally did one day and the physician I shared it with, um, she happens to be Catholic, practicing Catholic. Um, I was raised Catholic. I'm, I'm, I don't adhere to any um, specific religion, but I, you know, knowing she's Catholic, um, she listened and her, this is a seasoned ER physician. Um, she, her mouth was hanging open and she's shaking her head and she says, you shouldn't be here. I mean, she's like, for several reasons, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, wow, like I, that's amazing. And she finds it fascinating. And she invited me to come to a retreat, a, a women's retreat with her church. And this was a few years back and I went and, um, and she asked me to speak and she asked me to share my experience. And knowing that I'm not, I'm not Catholic anymore, but um, but this was such a profound experience and, and for her, it was sort of uh, proof that heaven of some sort is there and that love, whatever form it is, whether we want to call it God or, or, um, you know, any other name that we want to give it, um, loves us. And it's, it's a force that, that is love that we are an integral part of. Um, we could never be separated from it and has our best interest in mind all the time. Um, I say in mind as a, as a human word to use, but it, um, it is a, it's a law. For me, my near-death experience was, was the law of attraction, literally was the law of attraction and love were the two forces in my experience. Intuition, pure intuition, pure consciousness was what I was. And I was an integral part of all of the, all of it. So I was an integral part as well of the love and the law of attraction, um, that what we call the law of attraction, but it is indeed a force and it, it is indeed what we use, whether we realize it or not in our daily lives, every single moment. And it's based on how, 
how we use it is based on how we feel. Right. Yeah. And that's, so then from this experience, you developed the 12 principles mm -hmm. because you're touching on that now already. So can you talk about the 12 principles and, and how that came to you or, or how that just uh, be, became a part of you, I assume? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, um, well, for many years, um, I, I, I didn't reject my experience, but I, I, I was so, um, trying to, to live in this human body in this 3d world, um, and struggling so much doing it on a day-to-day -day basis that I couldn't, I couldn't sort of integrate my experience into my life. I didn't have support. I didn't have the energetic space to do it. Um, I felt the enormity of it. It, well, what is what felt like an enormous task was to share what I learned in the afterlife when in fact it really was, was not an enormous task. Um, it, it required for me to heal, um, in my, in my life and to find tools to use what I learned in this life. Um, so it just required it required relaxing into life. It required decreased resistance to, to, to life and there, you know, which equals diminished ego presence. Um, and once I was able to sort of recognize, okay, I'm, I, I need healing in my life. I know my near death. It was always my near death experience. It was always right there and I'd push it away and, and keep trying to push it away. But in reality, I was pushing myself away. And once I realized that in order for my life to improve, for me to feel better, um, I needed to embrace my near-death experience and I needed to explore it and I needed to find, okay, what is it I'm meant to share? What is it that I, I came back to do or to be? And I knew it was love. Okay, how do I get there? Um, I started to, well, we stand always stand on the shoulders of giants, right? So there were people that came before me and I'm going to look to them and I'm going to learn and I'm going to be open and find the answers for myself. So I think one of the first books I read was Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Mm -hmm. And that really hit home in terms of ego and fear and it being one and the same. So mm -hmm. I was able to recognize my ego more, which was so helpful. Because it, it's always when we're, I love ego, ego, oh, love your ego. It's there for you, for you. So it's just about shifting, um, you know, if we're in ego and it's not serving us, then shifting to, more into love. And how do we do that? So for me, it was, it was starting with, you know, some really helpful teachers, books, um, you know, people that had walked the path um, before me. And then an integrating meditation into my life. I started meditating very simply. Deepak Chopra, his, his, um, his um, 21 day meditations when he first started in 2012, that's when I started. And I, I did the series and I did the next series and the next one. And, and during the first series, I recognized after just a couple of weeks, how much um, more like me, like the Christ I was in the afterlife, how much more like me I felt. 
I felt clearer. I felt closer to myself. Um, and I started writing. I started journaling after I would meditate. And I even I wouldn't know what to write. So I would just start writing words. And months later, I went back and I was reading through, you know, the what I had written over over the weeks. And I was pulling words out. And I realized like these words um, are, are things that I'm being, like I'm trying to be these things in my everyday life. And they, it all made sense to me. And I, and I said to myself, what if I, because I'm very linear in my thinking a lot of the time still, um, what if I made it a practice where I listed like all these words, what they meant to me, and then I practiced them. Like, and I focused on them, on doing them. Um, while also having had the law of attraction been, been um, um, mentioned to me multiple times by a friend of mine. And she's like, do you know of Esther and Jerry Hicks? And I hadn't heard of them. And I was like, no. And, and my friend said, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's Esther. She channels Abraham. And I'm like, oh, a channel. And I just turned off to it. Even then, I was still, you know, after having this profound experience, my my ego mind in this 3D world with all of my conditioning wanted to say no. And be, because now I know, I understand my ego, I realized that that's what, what was happening was I was rejecting with my ego rather than being open with love. And I said, no, you know what? I'm going to to get that book and I'm going to read it and listen to the audio recordings. And um, that's how I was introduced to the law of attraction. And as I heard Esther and Abraham speak, um, I was like floored, absolutely floored because not all of what she says or they say resonates, but a large, large amount of it does. And I realized, I'm like, this, there's something here. This really resonates with me. And then didn't put two and two together until much later on where, you know, I, I practice a law of attraction, but, you know, I was sort of like, it was sort of like in the background. And then I, I was, I heard something or saw something about law of attraction again. And I'm like, revisiting it then and realized the connection in my near-death experience how all of it was the law of attraction and how my experience was created by me and for me and how perfect it was and how it was it was just for me like I felt like for so many years but there's more it's for everybody and like these 12 principles it goes along with it and and there's the the idea of practicing loving detachment Loving detachment was how I felt in my NDE, lovingly detached from all of this. Um, yeah, and it was just really incredible. And and I wrote, I wrote, um, uh, I died and learned how to live after I recognized that that would be a way for me to share my experience with whoever was drawn to it. Um, and, and share the 12 principles, which I practiced in my life. And I saw my life change because of the, the, of doing that. I, I saw the people around me change and, 
and my, my days got, you know, I went through my days with so much more ease and, um, just was feeling better. And like, it was like miraculous. And this was in, this was within like, <laughs> not a long period of time. This is like several months probably. You know, I worked in a busy ER. I've, I've not, I've since left there, but, but at that time I worked in a very busy ER where I'm dealing with specialists on the phone that I have to consult at, at two in the morning that don't want to hear from me and try to get out of coming into work as much as they possibly can. I was not getting pushback from these people. You know, I wasn't getting, I just was, things were just flowing. People were responding to me differently to me differently. And it was because I was changing my vibration and it was through practicing these 12 principles and the law of attraction and loving detachment. And, and uh, yeah, my life just got better. And, um, I, so that's where, you know, I, I put them in a book because I wanted to share them with others. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. Thank you. Really beautiful. Yes. I'm, I'm, yes. I love that you feel that way. I, um, as I was reading it, I mean, it, you know, it's things that I've come across myself with my own work, uh, my own inner work that I've done over the years. And um, it's so funny because ego sometimes takes over a little stronger some days. And it's like, mm -hmm. I forget everything I've learned. And then I come across something like your book and I'm like, oh, right. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, I've forgotten that for some strange reason. And it, it's <laughs> like I said, I mean, that's just the humans being fallible and uh, mm -hmm. or yeah. And so it was just a great reminder. And then I laughed mm -hmm. at myself because I thought, how do, how do I forget these things? How can I, why am I out of alignment? You know? So yeah. it, it's just funny. You're always a student. You're always learning and you're always kind of doing the dance of enlightened and then unenlightened <laughs> and on and on. And that's, that's the dance. That's what I've learned is that it's just yeah. always back and forth. It and it's a fabulous dance, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> thank you. Okay, universe, I get it again today. And you again know? and again. And again and again. <laughs> yeah, so I just had to say that. But um, I found a couple of quotes that I actually wanted to share that, that really uh, jumped out at me. I think my favorite one, we as humans have the capability of creating a lot of chaos when unaware deliberately intending your life, then getting ego out of the way enables the universal energies to flow and help create the circumstances and states of being of others that best manifests our desire. Mm -hmm. That just leapt off the page. Oh, yeah, the resistance. And that's the key. You know, I was just um, thinking about this this morning as I was driving and thinking about um, energy and how everything is energy. Physics has physics science has has you know corroborated with all of us who already know that. But you know everything's energy. So so when resistance is taken out of the equation, it just flows naturally along the path of least resistance. So and that's that's for every single thing that there is, whether we can see it or not. And others, because we're constantly in, in energetic flow, um, and when we are vibrating uh, with least, the least amount of resistance, others 
feel that are reminded, we say remind mind as if it's the mind, but it, it kind of is because again, this is just a bunch of molecules all stuck together. And so others are reminded of who they are because it feels good. They feel it on a, on a, on a, a often subconscious level and their higher selves, which are in constant flow with their physical selves, 3D selves, they recognize it and want to vibrate at that point as well because it feels good. It's, it's our homeostasis. It's our happy place. And so that's what I was recognizing when practicing the principles and a law of attraction and loving, being lovingly detached from all things happening is that other people responded in kind and, and it could be over the phone. It didn't have to be local. It could be non-local and that's quantum and, and it's real and it's what we are. So it's like, truly, we are all one. And now more than ever, people are waking up to that. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It is. And you're right. It's a, we're really in a quantum universe. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we're all waking up to it a lot faster right now. We had a little bit of an acceleration in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're right. It, you know what? It is a good thing, even though there's a lot of trauma and there's a lot of uh, downside to it. I mean, but that that's how we get to that higher place, to that evolution is through the muck. Right. And the contrast. Yeah. Yeah. And we can choose to see it however we choose to see it. We're never wrong. Right. And and it teaches us and it 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 shows us, you know, what doesn't feel good and reminds us what doesn't feel good. And because we have free will here and in the afterlife, by the way, um, we can choose to how we feel. So, you know, what, what bugged me earlier today may not bug me tomorrow, but it may bug me the next day. And that's okay because I'm always evolving. I'm always changing. I'm always growing. And, you know, that's what we're here to do. The universe is expanding because we're expanding. So, yeah. This brings a question to mind. You spoke earlier about when you were in that in-between or that afterlife state, that there were emotions, but not high level emotions, not reactive emotions, not dramatic emotions. So can you talk a bit about how that felt? Um, because I've also heard that in that other realm, it's not that we're emotionless, but it's just we're removed from all the, the drama and the chaos and the intensity of our emotions here in the 3D realm. Yeah, it's... um. It's more of, and I feel it's because it's such a higher vibrational state of being um, in, in the, where, at least where I was. Um, and I, I always like to, I always like to sort of like predicate what I say by saying, this is my experience. Like other people have their experiences and, and they're just as, as, you know, valid and, and true for, for them. And, and I, I never compare myself or judge. Um, but for me, 
it was like this high vibrational state where um, there was no consideration for uh, anything contrary to it. It was like there was there there was no frustration. Um, it didn't exist. It, 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 there was no reason for it. Reason being more of a mind kind of thing. Um, but there, there was no place for it. Um, and, and that's, you know, what we come from is that high vibrational state. It's what we, we are in our entirety. Um, when we, when we are out of our physical bodies, um, and we can have that high vibrational state while in the physical body, if we choose to. And that's, that's another reason why I wrote the 12 principles, because it, it raises, when I practice these principles, it raises my vibration. Whoop. And I'm like, everything's good. Even, even the suffering is so much, is, is eased so much when I'm in this place of non-resistance and, and love and willingness and, and compassion and you know all of that um all of the principles yeah so that's the key then is to transcend all of those emotions those heavy emotions so that we can flow through the difficulties just as easy as we flow through the good times essentially yeah and i think and i think it's just a matter of of um i don't think i feel like it's a matter of um, experience and, uh, and practice of the principles or whatever, whatever guidance you choose for yourself, you know, a person chooses for themselves. Um, and as we, as we move along on our, on our hero's journey here, we will find if we are, um, you know, focusing on feeling good, focusing on love and kindness and compassion, um, that each, each, you know, week, month, year, we can look back, you know, and see the growth and, and just be able to appreciate that. And then maybe, you know, at that point, we're a little further along in how we respond to life's events as far as, as our level of serenity in, in each response. You know, maybe what used to, used to really irk us, maybe it irks us only, you know, 50% now. And, you know, just moving along in that regard and, and not having an expectation of, oh, I should be here, you know, in my spiritual growth now. I've been doing this for six months. And it's not really, it's not about that. It's about, it's about, you know, just recognizing like the, the moments where you're, you can say to yourself, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, to, you know, today. I'm, I'm definitely doing better. Yeah, it promotes a lot of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to face ourselves to grow, you know, right. the, the good stuff and the bad stuff and everything in between. But like you said, you know, you don't want to consider things good or bad. It's just aspects of who we are on a continuum. Right. And meet it with love is the message I clearly hear from your 12 principles. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like love eases everything. It does. It it's the only thing that's going to heal the world, really. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the more, you know, and like I say, like the more I see the sort of things floating around on social media um, and in, in talking with my family and my friends, I just really feel this growing sense of that, of people recognizing the importance of love and, and of being in love more of the time. And um, I have hope, you know, where some, some may not, it's okay. It's like, I, I definitely, I definitely feel it, you know. I agree with you. You know, I, there was a time I may not have had a lot of hope for humanity, but I do now because of everyone's potential. There's huge potentiality in every being. And you said a key word that I often mention is awareness. It's having that awareness, the deep inner awareness of what we really are, you know, and that oneness, mm -hmm. that not feeling separated. Those are the key things. I, I like to keep things as simple as possible because things can get very complicated. And like Eckhart Tolle says, we humans, we complicate things. That's why, that's mm -hmm. why we, our lives can be so, such a mess. Um, because we really, yeah. you know, that, that story, that narrative, we just make things so complicated and it really doesn't have to be. And again, with your principles mm -hmm. and the, the foundation of love, I mean, that's where it's at. That's, and it's so simple. It's it that is. simple. Yep. Yeah. I remember when um, Morgan Freeman was interviewing Maggie and I, it was when he was interviewing me at the beginning. Um, he, he asked, one of the last questions was, he said, religion, do you got one? And I said, my religion is love. And he's like, you, you mean you're going to tell the whole world? It's as simple as that. And I said, for me, it is. And I had somebody make a meme, love, it's that simple, and then wrote my name underneath it. And I loved it. I loved it. It's like, yes, it is so simple, everybody. But we love to make it so complicated. Mm -hmm. Me included, myself included. Oh, me too. This, this 3D <laughs> human. Yeah. I feel better when right. it's not. So I prefer to feel yes, better. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. How's life these days? Life is really, it's really awesome. Um, you know, like I said in the beginning, my daughter Maggie is turning 21 in a couple of days. It's the anniversary of my near-death experience. I, I've been, I've been, calling it my death experience more frequently because I feel like people misunderstand near death experience and, um, and they don't always understand that. Yes. Clinically I was dead. Um, and so anyway, that's, you know, that's coming up and that's always a time for celebration, of course, like big celebration, but also really reflection on my part. And, and I, find myself always going into a space of really deep gratitude um, and just really deep gratitude, like grounding in that gratitude. Um, 
and you know, so so that's that's you know the eminently in a couple of days. But I've come off of a year of of working as a healthcare provider for COVID, and and I've met so many people, traveled to Texas and New York, and um, worked in field hospitals and in New York Presbyterian hospitals, and it's it's just been such an amazing journey in that regard where i've i've um had lots of ups and downs in terms of my own personal journey um where i have found that life became uh very focused very acute for me in terms of what is it what is it that krista wants um what is it that you you know that i want to do here with the rest of my life and i've always wanted to share about my NDE. I wanted to share the tools that I, I was able to glean from my NDE that helped me live in my life and feel the best I can feel each day. Um, so, you know, my husband Ainsley also had a near-death experience when he was 13. And he and I met through these series of synchronous events and it was definitely, you know, the universe definitely intervened and, and assisted us in, in growing together um, and becoming a couple. And uh, he and I have embarked on this new journey of creating us a, a small business where we took a character that my daughter drew up when she was 10 years old named Buggy. And we have made Buggy and his three little bug friends the spokes, spokespeople, spokesbugs <laughs> for loving kindness for kids. So we're sort of launching this little, we're going to be launching soon this little business and, and, but it's really to help to bring more love into the world and focused on children because they are such bright lights, so open and all they want to do is love and be loved. And really that's all adults want to, but we don't like to say it out loud and be vulnerable and, um, and be real with each other, you know? So that's, that's really, life is like, is we're embarking on these new journeys. Um, I'm still practicing medicine and I, I, you know, I left the, the travel medicine practice, but I'm practicing here locally. And, um, and I got to work yesterday with, and I got to see a bunch of people and we travel to their homes. It's an urgent care. And, and I got to connect with them. And it was such an amazing feeling, like just being able to sit down and look at somebody in their eyes and, and talk to them, you know, one human to another. And, um, and I have my own, my own way of being when I'm in that role where I'm using the principles all the time and, um, and feeling love for them. And just feeling love for them is healing because they pick up on that energy and it resonates with them. They recognize it as their true being, their true selves, and it raises their body's vibration. And that in itself is healing the, the organs, it's healing the tissues, it's healing illness. Um, and that's why we're here. And that's all that we have to do is just be that love. Yes, a sex of love. <laughs> be the love, yes. Folks, be yes. the love. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, congratulations on this new project. And I look forward to seeing it flourish. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited.
so your book is called I Died and Learned How to Live. Is that available on Amazon? Yes, it is. Okay. And yeah. where can we find you? Uh, I think you're on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is Krista Gorman 717. Come be my friend. <laughs> um, and I'm on um, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, I'm Krista Gorman PAC, and um, I'm also under just my Krista Gorman um, on Facebook. And I am also on Twitter. Not so active on Twitter. But um, but my blog site is kristagorman.com. And um, yeah, people, I invite people to come and just browse the blog and see if anything inspires you there. Feel free to message me. Um, yeah, I love to connect. Beautiful. This has been an amazing conversation, Krista. I'm so honored to be able to have a chance to connect with you. Years ago, like I said, when I first saw you and, and heard your story, never in a million years did I think I'd be sitting here having a, a conversation, a podcast conversation with you. So it's amazing what the universe brings together. Look what you and I created. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Oh, me too. We're so powerful. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Krista, thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. This has been wonderful. Highlight of my, my week. <laughs> thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Krista Gorman. You can find her book on Amazon and connect with Krista on Instagram at KristaGorman717. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Stay tuned for season three, and in the meantime, stay updated on Instagram at lifecontinuingpodcast and at lifecontinuing.com, where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing. <laughs>